Hey, it's Lauren. Thank you so much for listening to The Afterlight. Enjoy the episode. This episode has been brought to you by my free masterclass. Reduce your work hours by half without playing catch up on the weekend. So basically, I am giving you an opportunity to grab your ticket for a free masterclass. So in 50 minutes, that's five zero, you'll be able to stop overextending yourself without being racked with guilt. You will be able to create some space to stay on task. You will start saying no to requests. And I actually teach you how to do this. And you will unlock the secret to reducing your work hours by half without playing catch up on the weekend. It's a free masterclass. It costs you absolutely nothing. All the details are on my website at rawrawconsulting.com. That's R-A-H-R-A-H consulting.com. Or in the show notes, there's a direct link. Just click on free masterclass and grab your ticket. I can't wait to see you there. conversation. All right. So Lauren here and welcome to the show. Joined today by psychic and medical intuitive, Julie Ryan. She can sense what medical conditions and illnesses a person has and facilitate energetic healings. She can communicate with spirits, both alive and dead. She can scan animals, access people's past lives and remove ghosts from homes and other buildings. And she can tell how close to death someone is. Ooh. Her book, Angelic Attendance, What Really Happens as We Transition from This Life into the Next, describes a series of events that involves angels, multitudes of deceased families and friends, the spirits of deceased pets, and countless serendipitous and miraculous moments. Julie's books, Angel Messages for Kids and Angel Messages for Dogs, are picture books that have angels answering kids' tough questions. Each week, Julie scans callers on her Ask Julie Ryan podcast, which is heard by millions in over 100 countries throughout the world. Julie is a businesswoman, an inventor, an author, a podcaster, and a serial entrepreneur. Her surgical device inventions are sold globally, and she has founded nine companies in five different industries. Julie's psychic and medical intuitive skills are learned. Now, I know sometimes our guests are thinking to, my, to themselves, Lauren, how did you land Julie Ryan? And uh, well, <laughs> Spirit has brought her to me and she is joining me today to talk about being a psychic and medical intuitive. And Julie, I am so happy to have you on the show. Welcome, my friend. First of all, that bio is just wow. Congratulations. Ah, you live long enough. You got lots to tell. It is so awesome. I think that's one of the best things about getting older, actually, is that we get to add to our toolkit, so to speak. Exactly. Absolutely. And I'm delighted to be with you. I feel like I've known you my whole life, just chatting with you for a few minutes when we were getting ready to start the show. I'm like, oh my God, I wish she lived closer because we could, we could be ladies who lunch. We could be ladies who lunch. We should be ladies who lunch, actually. Well, maybe in the future. Right. Or we could be on Zoom and then just eat together, but just not in person. That's we could true. Do that. I love that idea. 
That sounds good. All right. Well, until we do that, let's get into the show. So basically, Julie, what I like to do is I like to start every show by, you know, kind of finding out a little bit about how that person's spiritual journey began. But before we go there, I can't help but ask, you're an inventor. Can you tell me about that a little bit? I know that's sort of a tangent. Let's just go down that tangent just for a second. Yeah. I'm an inventor of surgical devices that are sold throughout the world, Lauren. And I've, some of them have been on the market globally for, oh gosh, 30 years. And this was long before I learned how to do woo-woo, all this entrepreneurial and inventor stuff that I did. So we all come in with the capabilities and we have ideas. Well, what we don't know until we get into the woo-woo and the spiritual space is we're being led. We're being guided to do things. And I'm a girl with a communications degree. Mm-hmm. And people say, well, are you, were you a doc? Are you a doctor? Are you a nurse? I mean, how did you get into that? How I got into it was I worked in a big hospital as a, uh, a junior and a senior in high school, or I mean in college, excuse me, and really liked it, but knew I didn't want to work for the hospital, but knew I wanted to be in the industry. And I got a job with a hospital supply company, big, huge hospital supply company back when I graduated and then got into that industry and started my company at the age of my first company at the age of 25. And I was living in Los Angeles and it was during the AIDS scare back in the mid eighties. And I had all these operating room supervisors and and managers who would, who would say to me, this is a problem. Can you, can you ask your people to help us come up with a solution for this? Cause everybody was so afraid of blood and blood transfusions and all that. So I, I got involved with an auto transfusion device which just means it collects the patient's blood and puts their own blood back into them. And this is a, this is, it's a fun story. So if I can have a couple minutes to tell it, I mean, it's out there, but everything is out there on this show. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, so it was for vascular surgery and I introduced it to the American marketplace and la, 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 la. Long story short, I had a surgeon who was starting to jerry-rig this product for orthopedic surgery, for total joint surgery, when somebody gets a new hip or a new knee or a new shoulder. And I said, eh, I think that the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, probably would not be too thrilled with you doing that. So I think we probably better go back to the company and make sure that we're doing everything right as far as the clinical studies and that kind of thing. So I was involved in releasing the product for orthopedic. And after a couple of years, it was so successful. And I I had a big distributorship that the company that I helped develop this said, Julie, you've done such an amazing job, you and your staff that, but you understand we need to go with a big global distributor here. So thank you so much. And, um, and we wish you the best. And I said, Oh, but guys, we have this agreement here and it has a three year auto renewal. If I make my numbers and you need to buy it out. And at the time, Laura and I was, I don't know, 27, maybe. Wow. 
And uh, so long story short, they said, yeah, yeah, we really appreciate that, but you know, have a nice life. And I said, okay, well, I guess I just need to sue you. So I did. And I was in federal court in Boston for 10 days. And, I, and this was an American subsidiary of a $30 billion Swiss company. Wow. So here I am, I'm in my late 20s, you know, I'm a girl and I even have blonde hair. And I walked in the courtroom in Boston and they had five lawyers there and I had my lawyer there. Well, come to find out, I won the case. I, I started a company to compete with them, knew what was wrong with their product, knew what was wrong with all the other products. And then broke, we broke their patents and uh, created a better product and I sold my I licensed my invention to the largest global orthopedic company in the world, still is today, still selling it 30 years later. So it was like, guys, you have seriously underestimated this girl. Wow. And certainly I'm not a multi, I wasn't a multi-billion dollar company, but I manufactured surgical devices for over 20 years and then sold the company several years ago. But I have patents and trademarks and all of that with a communications degree. So you're the queen of manifesting. I am. The point of the story is <laughs> if you can think it, you can do it yes. because it's still being used today. And any orthopedic, my husband just got a new knee and his orthopedic surgeon, we were talking, and he not only knew of the product, he used the product for decades. Wow. So it was, you know, it was really fun. Full circle in a way. Do that. That's so cool. Well, exactly. And yeah. so un unbeknownst to me at the time when I was in and out of surgeries for 30 years, that was a precursor to train me for all the medical intuitive work I do now, yeah. because oftentimes the healings that I see emulate what I saw in the operating room for all of those years, identical instruments, identical procedures, just much faster and much more efficient from the energy side of the equation. And had I not had that frame of reference, I wouldn't have known as well what was happening in the mm -hmm. medical intuitive and energy healing work that I do now. So I think to, my, to the point that I made earlier, when we live long enough and we have life experiences when we're going through them, we don't know how they're going to play into future events, but they always do. There's always a point to them. Yeah, that's so awesome. When, when you were speaking, I was kind of thinking about how sometimes, especially for myself anyway, as my spiritual journey has grown and how I've become more and more intuitive, I guess, and aware, um, sometimes I get ideas and thoughts and I know they don't necessarily, they're not from me, right? They're being planted into my brain for whatever reason. And you know, very often it's not something that I would necessarily credit to. I mean, I credit internally in my mind, but if I'm telling somebody an idea, I don't always say, spirit's telling me to tell you, blah, blah, blah. I'll just pretend it's coming from me. Now, do you kind of feel like that sort of happened for you? Were you kind of connected to spirit at the time when you were thinking of all of these ideas? Or did you, did you kind of, you know, think that they were coming from another source in a way? Or what are your thoughts or reflections on that at this time? At that time, no. I thought they were ideas that were just in my head. Now I know better. And I know that ideas never originate in our heads, although we're all born with the equipment to turn our heads into satellite dishes. Every thought has its own frequency and our heads both 
both send and receive frequencies. And so every thought that we have operate, it comes in from the ethers. It comes in outside of us. Every book that's ever been written, every song that's ever been written, every play, every, every creation, every painting, whatever, every, every building is all channeled. It's all coming in from spirit. How I was able to get the information to do those inventions and my other companies that I've done is I was thinking about that space. So an analogy would be, I was on that radio station. Okay, here's an auto transfusion device that's disposable for orthopedic total joint surgery. Here's what's wrong with it. What can we do to fix it? So I was on that orthopedic surgery device channel getting information. I was a match to the frequency of that information that was coming in. And nobody has ever had an original thought ever. You know, Paul McCartney talked about, he woke up in the middle of the night and he had the words in the song, the melody to let it be, or one of his most famous songs. And he did that more than once. Well, that information is being received through our satellite dish head. Yes. And I love how you talked about frequency because, you know, if anybody's looked into Abraham's work and all that, you know, Esther Hicks and them, they, they talk all about that, how, you know, you need to get onto the frequency of what you want to attract. And that's a big part of, of manifesting, of course. And, you know, one of the things that came to mind when you were speaking there is uh, the whole concept that we're all given ideas, but we don't always do everything with the idea. You know, I'm sure you've spoken with people on, um, in your life who find out about all your success. And sometimes I'm sure they've said to you, I had this great idea once and I never did it. And then someone else did that, you know? And so I love meeting people like yourself who has an idea and then acts, takes action. Well, that's the most important part of being able to manifest something. I think the, the, some of the schools of thought or you just think of it and then it's going to manifest. No, you've got to take action in order for something to manifest. Action doesn't have to mean that you do something physically. It could mean that you go explore something online or you go to the library and you research it or whatever. And we're led step by step by step where we're supposed to go to help manifest, not not suppose, where we're being led to go if we want to manifest that. And we all have the ability to manifest whatever we want. I am a prime example of that. Yeah. And was there fear along the way? Absolutely. Was there, were there times where I didn't know where my next hundred dollars was coming from? Absolutely. And at the same time, I always trusted And again, this was long before I knew how to do woo-woo because I learned how to do all this stuff. And now I teach people all over the world how to do what I do. But I I always knew that the people I needed to show up were going to show up when I needed them. And they always did. Always. I have a fun story I'd love to share about that, if I may. I was I live in Birmingham, Alabama now, which is in the southeastern part of the US. And I was flying into Los Angeles, which is where I lived for a very long time. And I was in there for meetings, but I flew in on a Sunday and it was Mother's Day. And I was going to see my doctor. I needed to see my doctor. And she was coming in on Mother's Day to see me. And she was a mom. And she was taking time out of her Mother's Day to come see me because that's the only day I could see her. So my plane's late. I'm flying into LAX. 
And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I got to get a car. I'm not going to have time to stop and buy her flowers because I wanted to buy her flowers for Mother's Day and as a thank you for doing this for me. So I get off the plane. This is like, I'm checking it five minutes. I'm texting with her. We've landed. We're taxiing into the gate. I get off the plane. I promise you, Lauren, it's three minutes after I get off the plane. I passed this woman walking through the airport with this big bouquet of gladioli, you know, the big glad flowers, yes. big, huge ones. And I said, oh, your flowers are fabulous. I said, happy Mother's Day. And she said, here, take them. And I said, no, 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 no. They're yours. And she said, honey, I'm flying to New York. They're going to be way more of a hassle and they're going to look awful by the time they I get there. Please take them. So- Within five minutes of having that thought, how, uh, uh, maybe I'll look and maybe they'll be selling flowers in one of the airport gift shops that I can pick up because I'm not going to have time to stop yeah. by a grocery store or Trader Joe's or someplace to get it. I'm handed flowers by this woman I don't know for free and they were more magnificent than anything I could have ever bought. Amazing. Yeah. So, so that's good. the power of our thoughts. Yeah. And then you let go of the outcome. Yes. So I always, I still, I have had so many experiences in my life, Lauren, where the people I need to show up, show up when I need them. So I just trust that yeah. I'm going to be given the information. I'm going to meet who I need to meet. They're going to open a door. They're going to help me. They're going to help propel whatever it is that I'm wanting to create. Julie, one of the things that came to mind when you were speaking there, obviously the word trust is probably the key word with life really, but it's also the word flow. And I guess when you were mm -hmm. speaking, I was thinking about how to have such success, to have synchronicities and coincidences and gifts from the universe, that we need to be in a state of flow. And I was just kind of wondering, how do you stay in a state of flow and you know what do you do when times get tough or when your mind is overworking or like you said when when you know you don't know when your next hundred dollars is coming necessarily does trust and flow go together and does you know the underlining feeling of that you just know things are going to work out kind of just create a flow for you it does. It permeates everything I do. I trust that everything is unfolding perfectly, even if it feels awful in the moment. And what I've done is I've, is I've come up with a technique I call the two-minute rule, and I've made it just a habit. May I share it with you and your listeners? Oh, please, girl. <laughs> okay. Here's how the two-minute rule goes. We get thoughts from the ethers, and then they're assigned an emotion when they come into our head. And the emotions either based in love, which means we're in alignment with our spirit, or they're, or it's based in fear, which means we're out of alignment. Now, there are two kinds of fear. There's rational fear, something's going to kill us. And there's irrational fear, which is false. Guess what? 99.9% .9 of the thoughts we have that feel bad are based in irrational fear. They're fake news. They're false. Yeah. So what we want to do is we want to be able to differentiate between what's a real fear and what's an irrational fear. And so I came up with this little technique, Lauren, and, and I call it the two minute rule. And here's how it goes. When you have a thought and it feels bad, can be angry, you're angry, you're sad, you're jealous, you're bored, you're whatever, anything that we would consider to be a negative thought. Yeah. You ask yourself, is this going to kill me in the next two minutes? If it is, 
run, get out of the road before the truck runs you over, right? Because yeah, that's going to be a problem. Change the conditions. If it's not, you know that it's fake. And what you've done is you've changed the channel on that frequency, like that radio station that's broadcasting a certain kind of music. You've changed the channel. You've immediately raised your vibrational level because curiosity is based in love. It's fun. You want to know more. You're interested. It's something that you're engaged in that you want to know more. And so you raise your vibrational level and then you ask, how is this benefiting me? Well, it's benefiting you at least in pointing out a limiting belief that's false based in any irrational fear that's false. And at the same time, it raises your vibrational level so spirit can give you guidance. You'll have a thought. "Mm, Maybe I'll look at this. Maybe I'll visit this site. Maybe I'll talk to this person. Spirit can't communicate on the I feel crappy channels because it's too low of a vibration. So we need to disrupt that in an attractive universe which is what we live in. When you feel good, most of the time you attract more good feeling things. When you feel badly, you attract more bad. Now, when we feel bad 100% of the time, we're dead because we create out of the contrast in knowing what we don't want, it helps us create what we do want. Yes. And so the two minute rule is what I what I teach. And, And it's the basis for everything that I teach my students who are global, they just have to speak English in order to take my class. That's the only prerequisite. Most of them come in without any skills. And by the time they're done after four Saturdays, a couple hours, each Saturday, they can do everything I do. And But the key is being able to keep your vibration level high so you can receive guidance from spirit. Because when we're in a fear situation, we're on a hamster wheel. We're trying to control the conditions and nothing happens. So that disrupts flow to your original question. And, and that's how I do it and, and what I teach. I love that a lot. And what came to mind when you were speaking there was that when you are intercepting, uh, I've always kind of talked about it in terms of like a cog in a machine where you have the one thought and it's going around and around and around. You need to kind of throw something in to kind of stop that pattern from happening. With the two minute rule, like you're talking about, what you're also doing is you're allowing yourself to become the observer of your thought. Because I think that what happens so often, I'm sure you would agree, is that we believe that we are the thought and the thought's just kind of something that's happening to us. But when you're saying to yourself, okay, is this going to kill me in the next two minutes? You're kind of adding a question in there. And then it's almost as though the observer is giving an opportunity to step forth and go, wait, this is just a thought that I can now see. And then that's when it also starts to lose its power. Well, and to your point, great point that one of my graduates said the other day, we were chatting and she said, and she's a therapist, she's a PhD psychotherapist. And she said, we're taught to control our emotions. And really what we need to do is we need to control our thoughts Yeah, because the emotions are just the internal GPS that tells us, okay, you're out of alignment or you're in alignment. Yeah. And the, the, The fun thing about the two minute rule too, Lauren, is when you ask, is this going to kill me in the next two minutes? And you're, you know, you're standing in line at the grocery store and you're going to be late for some meeting. You're going to chuckle a lot of the time because you're going to say, no, it's not going to kill me. And you're going to realize this is ridiculous. And so now I've done it for so long that it's just habit. I, I don't even, 
I'm not even conscious of it. I'm immediately going into, is this going to kill me in the next minutes now? And then I've, I've break, I've broken that connection. Yeah. And, and that's the key is you want to, there are lots of, of schools of thought that if you send that thought, that negative thought, love and watch it drift away. Well, is still around the same frequency. You want to change the channel. Yeah. You got to disrupt it somehow. Yeah. And the two minute rule is the disruptor that I find that works really well. That's so great. Well, thank you for sharing that, Julie. I know that um, I learned from that and I know that our listener at home did as well. So let's redirect the conversation a little bit now, although I could talk about manifestation and mindset forever. Let's talk a little bit now about your work as a medical intuitive. So I guess when I was first hearing you sort of speak about your inventions, and I guess in a way, I thought you kind of threw in some conversations around your psychicness as well, because you were kind of giving the impression that you were sort of seeing things unfold in front of you. So can you talk about that? Do the two gifts sort of go together? Did you find that you had psychic skills and then it kind of enhanced your medical intuitiveness or how did that work? Or are they actually just two separate concepts and you're just, you know, gifted in two different ways? Well, everybody has the ability so I don't consider it a gift because everybody has it. Everybody comes in. We've all had experiences where we think of someone and they call us or they text us or they email us or we run into them and we say, oh my gosh, what a coincidence. I was just thinking of you. No, right. no coincidences there. My goodness, the, you know, the Aboriginal people that are in Australia. Mm. They've been communicating telepathically for millennia. So have other indigenous people. So everybody has the ability. It's just a matter of enhancing it, developing it, and then enhancing it. And so that's what I help people do. And everybody has the ability and it comes in in a way that works best for them. Mm. So to answer your question, no, I didn't know I had any psychic ability. I'd laugh. I say, I'm not one of those psychics who's had dead people chasing her since childhood. Or if I did, I wouldn't have known what to do with that information. So <laughs> I, how my medical intuitive stuff works now is I'm like a human MRI, Lauren. I raise my vibrational level purposely. I don't walk around with my radar on because I don't believe that it's ethical, number one. I was going to ask. Number two, yes. no. No, uh, I, yeah. I, I think it's unethical to scan somebody without their permission. Yes. Uh, number one. Number two, I, I don't really want to know. And number three, it's none of my business. Imagine yeah. being in a crowd of people and going, okay, that one's got whatever. And this one's got whatever going on. That's a medical condition. That would be obnoxious. Yeah. That would also feel so, really probably you know, for lack of a better word, negative, it would be sad in a way, maybe, or I guess we're all on our own journey. Maybe it wouldn't be sad. It would just be, yeah. I just think being surrounded by all these, these ailments, you know, you might, at least for me, I think that I would have a hard time with that initially. Well, I don't edit anything I get because everything can be healed. And right. I, I also okay, believe yeah. who am I to decide what somebody needs to hear. I'll have people say to me, well, what happens if you see cancer in somebody? And I'll say, I tell them, I believe I'm the messenger. I'm the facilitator. Yeah. I, if I get the information, I'm supposed to share it. So I don't worry about what it, now I'm not going to be nasty about it. I'm yeah. going to do it with compassion, certainly, but I don't, uh, 
it doesn't affect me so much anymore like mm. it did really before I did this work because to your point, I believe that everybody's on a path and this is benefiting their spirit's expansion and experiences in some way. It's not necessarily what I would choose for them to happen, but I know that it's benefiting them somehow. And uh, we don't know what the spirit came in to explore in this lifetime. We don't know what the past lives were all about. Somebody that perhaps has some debilitating disease in this lifetime maybe was the wife of, the spouse of, the child of, the friend of, the caretaker yeah, of in a past yeah. life. And this, this round wanted to explore what it was like to be the patient. And the other thing yeah. I think that's important to remember too, Lauren, is time doesn't exist in the spirit world. Time is a human creation. Yeah. So it's feasible that we perhaps have lived a hundred lifetimes of a hundred years apiece, and it's not even a blip on the radar screen. And so when I remember that too, although we'll say, okay, my grandfather suffered with cancer for 10 years and all of that. And we think, oh my gosh, that was such a long time. And in our reality, it is. In the spirit world, it's just not even a blip. So that that helps too, I think, with understanding what's going on. So how I do my medical intuitive and energy healing practice is I'll connect with somebody energetically. I close my eyes. I watch a laser beam come from my body and then hook into them anywhere in the world that they are. And I watch it cross oceans and continents. And I've scanned so many thousands of people over the years, Lauren. And I tell people, you could be on Mars if they had a way for us to talk. If they could had internet access, I could scan you on Mars. It doesn't matter. Amazing. Scan people flying across the country, you know, 40,000 feet in the air. Doesn't matter. And so once I connect with them, then I see a hologram of them in my mind's eye and I'll envision shooting energy from their feet up through the top of their head. And it'll be as if I'm looking at an X-ray or a CT scan or an MRI. So that's the first thing that happens. And then the second thing is there will be some type of energetic healing that will begin immediately. And it can take the form of something getting added, something getting removed. I often see what I was talking about earlier. I often see healings that emulate what I saw in the operating room and surgery for all those years. Oftentimes I'll see healings that utilize methodologies and devices that haven't been invented yet. And regardless of what I'm seeing, I'm going to be very descriptive with my client or my caller because people call into my Ask Julie Ryan show every week and they ask me questions about health or can I scan their dog? Can we talk to their dead grandma? Whatever. It's a blast. We have so much fun on that show. So I'll be very descriptive because the body's going to follow what the brain's telling it, even if the brain doesn't believe it to be true. And you'll find that I talk in analogies a lot because it gives our human minds a frame of reference for this woo-woo stuff that we're doing. And my frame of reference for the mind, uh, not necessarily having to believe something that the body, you know, is going to follow is think of a time when you watched a scary movie on TV, your brain knew it was pretend, but your heart might've felt like it was getting ready to jump out of your chest. Cause it was just mm -hmm. so darn scary. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a good example. So something will be identified. They'll be healing. Something will be identified. They'll be healing. I'll, be, I'll take several swipes. So let's say it goes to your left elbow. We'll do a healing on that. Then it goes to your liver and then we'll do a healing on that. And then it'll go to whatever sinus cavity, let's say. Uh, 
So then the third thing and the most important thing, Lauren, is I, is I look at what I call their energy field membrane. And that's the container that holds the energy that makes up our body and our spirit. And it reminds me of really thin, stretchy saran wrap, the kind that you get on a tray of chicken breasts from the grocery store. You know, that stuff's thinner and stretchier than perhaps the saran wrap in a box in our kitchen drawers. Yeah. When there's a tear or a hole in that, in that membrane, it's allowing an energy leak. And energy leaks always precede any kind of medical condition. And they're caused by an emotional event, either in this lifetime or a past lifetime, that creates an energy block, a la Eastern medicine, acupressure, acupuncture, clear the block, get the chi to move, that whole concept. And that energy block over time, Lauren, will have other life events energy pile on top of it to the point where it causes enough pressure, it causes a blowout in that membrane and it allows a leak. And as I mentioned, leaks are always in place before any medical condition arises. And leaks are always called caused by an emotional event, always. Mm-hmm. So I'll envision going into that terror hole or hole and I'll be shown a scene. I just had a client right before I got on this call with you who we were doing a scan on her mom and her mom had given me permission to scan her. She had told her daughter it was okay. And I also always asked telepathically. And what I got was a past life scene that had caused this energy block in her mom, who's 90, by the way. And it was in 1927 in New York City. We got the man's name. We got all of that. He was at a party in the roaring 20s. 1927, before the big stock market crash. Wow. And he was a philanderer and he was leaving this party with this cute young little thing, getting in the car. And he was conflicted about feeling guilty because he was married with a bunch of kids at home. And here he was, you know, with this little cute little thing that he was going to go have his way with her. (laughs) So what I got was you know, this was the energy block and the daughter was gasping almost. She was like, oh my God, oh my God. I said, what? She said, my mother was a philanderer throughout her whole marriage to my dad. They had a tough marriage. And um, that was the way she dealt with it because he threatened her if she ever left him, if she ever divorced him, she would never see her children again. So she just had affairs throughout her whole marriage. And- There's always a correlation, usually more than one, between the past life that shows up and this life. And so what I find with the past lives that's really interesting, Lauren, is there will be somewhat of a script that will have some semblance that will repeat throughout multiple lifetimes. And different setting, different time, different gender, different set of circumstances, same basic script. I use the analogy of Hamlet a lot. Think of how many times has Hamlet been performed? Who knows? I don't know if we could even count them. No, yeah. Right? Since Shakespeare died, what, four or 500 years ago or something. But you think about all the times it's been performed and where and in what year and in what language and by whom. Who were the actors? Mm -hmm. Who was the director? Who was the costumer? Who was the set designer? Same script different perspective. And that's how I envision lifetimes is we expand out from each lifetime because there's no other experience that ever would have happened or will happen in the same way as what we experience. 
because our spirit's going to experience it in a way that nobody else ever will. Mm-hmm. So it not only expands our spirit, expands everybody's spirit and expands energy, the energy experience, if you will. It's amazing, actually, everything that you've just said. You know, what? when you were talking there, that book, I don't know if you've ever read it, but it's called The Four Agreements by Don Ruiz Miguel. But he talks about basically these four agreements. And if you live by them, you'll have the best life. And one of the things is never to take things personally, because we're all living our own experience. And so therefore, we're not the same. And I guess that's right. exactly what you were kind of talking about there, how we're all on our own journey. And, you know, I hear what you're saying there, how it's as though if you are not healing something within yourself, that you continue to repeat the same pattern. And I guess that comes down to some people, you know, what about people who are sick all the time, for example? You know, you know, some people, they always have an ailment. They always have a problem. They always have a drama. You know, is that somebody who is just continuing to live that same pattern over and over and over again? It is. They want to experience, their spirit wants to experience and create out of that. I think it's important to note too, that in the spirit world, there's no right or wrong. There's no good or bad. It's just an experience. We look at certain situations as, bad or sometimes even horrific and spirit looks at it as, Ooh, this is interesting. Let's Mm. explore this further. Now I do have, have had many clients over the years that are what I would consider to be professional invalids. And (laughs) one comes to mind imperfect in, in, um, going comes to the top of my mind and she's one of, I don't know, 10 kids perhaps. And she's a professional invalid. I mean, she's lovely. She's a lovely woman, but she has always gotten something wrong. She's, there's always something wrong with her. Always, 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 always. And so we did a healing. We've done many healings, but the first time we did it and we looked at the energy filled membrane, I saw this scene of her as a four-year-old and she was sick in the bed. And I said, I'm seeing this scene and I see a clothesline in the backyard and there's a railroad track that runs behind it. And, and you're in the bed there and I see you being cared for by an older woman. And she said, well, that was my grandmother. And she lived in a house with the backyard that, and she had a clothesline and she used to hang the clothes on the clothesline and she would, there were trains there. And we, you know, we were threatened within an inch of our lives not to go there. And I said, tell me about that situation. And and I said, what I'm getting is that was an opportunity for you when you weren't feeling well to really get a lot of extra attention. And she said, oh yeah, she'd sit on the bed with me and read to me and tell, you know, make special food for me. And, And my mom was so busy with all the other kids that I would go to grandma's house when I felt badly. And I was sick a lot as a child. And so I said, well, so what I'm getting is that was an emotional event where you feel bad, felt badly, but you were being rewarded Rewarded. for it. And, And that's continued now because when you feel badly, people pay attention to you. They give you sympathy. They want to help you. They do all of that. And I said, and you're not doing this from a, you know, you're not cognizant that you're doing this, 
but this is what's happening. So that's how powerful this going into this energy field membrane tear can be. And what happens, Lauren, is as I perceive it, the energy block looks like a little kernel of unpopped popcorn and it lodges in the energy field and then life events pile on top of it, kind of like you got a snowball and you roll it down a hill and it keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And so unlike psychotherapy where they say, Lauren, we're going to explore your life and it will be like we're unpeeling an onion a layer at a time. I'm, I'm a businesswoman. Let's cut to the chase. Let's get the <laughs> onion out by the root. Let's yeah. get this healed. Let's get on with it. Not yeah. to negate the psychotherapy part of the equation. Yeah, Obviously, but... it's very valuable. But this is a way to do the healing of the body from a physical and a medical standpoint. I want to I find out where did that energy block start? Because if we can get it out by the root, it eradicates all of it in one fell swoop. And an analogy I like to use for how all of this goes together is, imagine going to the pet store and buying a goldfish. They're going to put it in a plastic bag of water in order for you to get it home. You may need a goldfish for your farm, you know, to add to your, <laughs> all your animals that you have. So if you have a picture of that in your mind's eye and the goldfish floating around and swimming around in this bag of water, the goldfish represents our body. The water represents our spirit because the body is inside the spirit. Spirit's the power source for the body, which is why when somebody dies and their spirit and their body separate, the body doesn't work anymore because it doesn't have a power source. So the fish is our body, represents our body. The water represents our spirit. The plastic bag represents the energy-filled membrane. There's a pinhole in that plastic bag and water is draining out a drop at a time. For a long time, that fish is going to be just fine. However, when enough water drains out, that fish is going to be in trouble. And that's what happens to the human body over time. So we fix the energy field membrane. The body can go back to working on full power. It helps the body heal. It helps it maintain health. Wow. Wow. Do um, you also kind of liken the energetic membrane to the concept of the aura? Or do you, is that not the same comparison? The aura is the spirit. So this the spirit, would be the, the aura, the energy field. This would be the membrane outside of the energy right. field. And it expands as the energy field expands and right. contracts as the energy field contracts. But if you think about all of the old master's paintings of somebody religious, you know, Jesus, the Virgin Mary, a saint, mm. Buddha, whomever. Oftentimes they're depicted with a halo exactly. around them. A glow. It's their yes. aura. That's their energy field. We all have it. That means yeah. we're all holy. We're all a spark of the divine. Mm. Yeah. And interestingly enough, in medicine, if you think about it, it what's an EEG? They're measuring the brain waves outside of the head. They put electrodes on the head. What's an EKG? They're measuring the the heartbeat and everything from the energy field outside of the body. So Amazing. It all ties together. So the work that I do from a medical standpoint is, I believe, complementary to Western and Eastern medicine as we know it. I believe I am uh, the tugboat captain and you're the ship and spirit works through me and with me to safely guide you into port. And there's not a surgeon or a doctor or a medical provider or a healer on the planet that can heal anybody else. 
we all guide the person to heal themselves. Because if you think about it, if a surgeon has two surgeries back to back and they're the same procedure, both healthy patients, both surgeries go perfectly. And one patient heals easily and quickly and the other one doesn't. And the surgeon says, I wouldn't have changed a thing. Everything went perfectly. How does that work? It's the patient's spirit's prerogative to utilize the healing or not to utilize the healing to best facilitate whatever it is that spirit is exploring at this time in this lifetime. It's mm, amazing. And I guess part of that is why placebos work. I can't remember if it was in a Wayne Dyer book that I was listening to or a conversation, but they were talking about a, a study they'd done, like a knee surgery study where some people had actually received the, the surgery and the other people hadn't, but they'd received a scar. So they thought that they did. And a lot of the people that hadn't had the actual surgery were covered well, and they weren't even told until you know a long time after that they had never received the the surgery in the first place, which is just absolutely amazing. And I guess it comes down to like you were saying off the top of the uh, when we first started speaking about yeah our ability to heal. So do you think that our thoughts are responsible for us staying and being sick or healing and healing? I guess I think both. Yeah, I think yeah. I think they're very they're a very integral part. And to your point about the placebo and nocebo effect, every medication that's ever been approved by any regulatory body in any country anywhere in the world, about half of all clinical trials on, on uh, uh, drugs have, have efficacy, they're effective, even though they're a placebo. So it's very strong. The mind is very strong to be able to create whatever it is they're looking for. And we've just all been conditioned and trained that we need to go to a doctor and the doctor is going to tell us what to do. I have many doctors that send their patients to me. And I have many doctors that call me after there's been some kind of a healing. I watch stem cell energy all the time, regenerate organs and other body parts that sometimes show up on scans. And, and I'll have a doctor call me and say, all right, what are you doing with my patient and how does this stuff work? And it's really fun. And then they'll, they'll send other people to me. When my husband was having his knee done about six weeks ago, this was his second knee in four months. And I had given the surgeon a copy of my book, Angelic Attendance. And I talk in there about what my journey has been and how I do this healing stuff too. <laughs> and I can see remotely what's going on in the operating room. I do this a lot for clients where they're on the OR table, you know, they're being operated on and I can tell what's happening. I can see who's in the room. There are deceased loved ones, spirits are in the room and there are guardian angels over the head of anesthesia. And oftentimes I can even read the anesthesia equipment, see what their heart rate is, that kind of stuff. It's called okay. remote viewing. And I teach this actually in my class. So the surgeon, I was watching him put the implant in. And uh, when he came to see me after surgery, while my husband was in the recovery room, I said, well, you were having to tweak that. And I was saying a couple of things that I'd seen and he started laughing. He said, well, you weren't kidding. You really could see what was going on in there. Right. And I said, Amazing. yeah, that's what I told you before you went in. And so when we went to see him for the post-op visit, my husband was having one thing going on. He had pulled his hamstring in physical therapy 
And so he was telling the surgeon about it. And the surgeon looked at me and he said, what, do you, what are you seeing? What do you think? <laughs> he said he pulled his hamstring in physical therapy. But I thought that was really, you know, really a big statement for him to turn to me and say, what are you seeing? Yeah. And more and more and more doctors. Actually, my physician here in town, I saw her, oh, I guess about three weeks ago. And she works at a big medical school. And she said, would you be willing to come in and talk to my uh, fellows and my residents when they all come in in June and about the work that you do. And I said, I'd be delighted to. So it is, it is starting to meld together. Mm. And I, I like to say that science is catching up with woo-woo because there's so many things that happen that, that there's no explanation for them. There's no way somebody that's doing this kind of work like me or another another medical intuitive or healer would know this stuff. I mean, if you listen to one of my shows and somebody says, okay, my foot hurts. And I'll say, okay, the energy went to your left foot. And they're like, oh yeah, you're right. I'll say, I don't know, that's what I'm seeing in my mind's eye. So it's really it's fun. Amazing. And everybody can do this. Everybody has the ability to do this. Yeah. I guess like you were saying before, you know, it's a skill that you've developed, not necessarily a gift. Um, I know we need to sort of wrap up our conversation here. I could talk to you forever. I, I did want to ask you, I guess, a couple more questions, if that's okay with you, just because I feel like the listener at home is curious about this as well. When you were talking, I guess, about your husband and his knee, I guess what I was wondering is why can you not just heal his knee yourself? Or is there a, a need... Um, that's almost a pun, but is there a need for, um, you know, the, the current medical world to meet the work that you do because of conditioning and because maybe on some level, your husband wouldn't have believed that his knee could have been fixed a hundred percent without that assistance. I hope I've asked that question properly. Yeah. Great question. Couple of, uh, couple of, answers for you on that. The work that I do happens on the energetic level and that it integrates into the person's body if their spirit chooses to integrate it. They can notice a difference in symptoms instantly. It can take days, weeks, months. It may need some kind of additional care like surgery, like uh, medicine, like physical therapy, something yeah. like that. Yeah. The healing has already happened on the energetic level for the surgery for his knee. His surgeries were a breeze. The surgeon was almost giddy because my husband has some co, you know, co-complication issues from a medical standpoint. And the surgeon was a little reluctant to work on him, frankly. And and he when he sees him, he just is, he just giggles. Cause he's like, Oh my God, this is so much better than I had ever imagined. And he, right. whenever he sees me, I always says, can you go home with all my patients? And I'll say, <laughs> no, sorry. So it, it depends on what that spirit wants to experience. My husband knew that he needed to, to get an implant in his knee. And so we did everything ahead of time so that it went smoothly. And he's healed in record time and the surgeon's just thrilled. Having said all that, that my husband knows that it's possible to heal without a procedure because when I met him and we first started dating, he had a bone spur on his heel. And I was, this was 
over 20 years ago, 20 some years ago. And I said, okay, well, let me look at it. And, and he's going, yeah, right. Yeah, what do you mean you want to look at it? You're not a doctor. And I know, I know. And so I said, yeah, you can see the bone spur. And I described what it looked like and stuff. And I said, let me work on it. And so I, I did a healing on him. So within about a week, he had an appointment with the, the orthopedist to set up. He wanted to see it and then they were going to probably do surgery to remove it because he was in a lot of pain. And they did an x-ray and it was gone, completely gone. And he said, he'll, he, when he tells the story, he's a great storyteller. He'll say, yeah, I'm thinking, okay, ooh, do I really want to get involved with this woman? What is she doing? How's this stuff work? But he, he will tell you that he went from extreme pain with that bone spur walking on it to no pain during the week. And by the time he had his x-ray, it was completely gone and he didn't need the surgery. So I think those are two great examples from someone who believes in this stuff because he's yeah. seen it firsthand yeah. work easily and quickly. And he's also seen when we complement Western medicine, I believe the work I do is part of the healing equation. Yeah. When we complement that, it also can have a really beneficial outcome. So for the first time in 10 years, he doesn't have pain in either knee now because they've both been replaced. Mm -hmm. And what a blessing and mm -hmm. what a miracle. And I, you know, it was fun for me because I was in that industry for so long. So it was fun for me to see what the, the new technology was and how they were doing it and what was different and, you know, things like that. I guess what it is too, is it comes down to the word that we were using before, which is trust. And also that we're all on our own journey and how it's so important to check in with yourself. Because I know that some people, they might not want to have anything to do with anything other than Western medicine and, and those practices. Other people might want to have nothing to do with um, you know, like the other, the other, the flip side, and then some people want to do a combination of, and I guess it, it's just that we're all, you know, needing to listen to our own inner truth and what we believe is our truth, really. Exactly. So I think that we probably need to wrap it up now. I don't want to, but, um, Time is a thing that we have on the human planet here. And although I could talk to you for ages, um, I do want to know, I, I mean, we didn't even get into talking about um, empathy and um, your work as a psychic and all that. So I guess what we've done is we've kind of maybe left this chapter unfinished, or maybe we'll have to um, meet up again, Julie, if, if you're open to it, especially to talk about all the other work that you do. But is there anything that I didn't ask you that you really wanted to bring up at this time? And then I'd love to hear how people can get a hold of you. And I understand you have a little gift for our listener at home as well. I do. I have written three books. The first one is called Angelic Attendance, What Really Happens as We Transition from This Life into the Next. And then I have two children's books, as you mentioned earlier, Lauren, and they're picture books. And they're just darling. The illustrations are darling in them. And it's Angel Messages for Kids and Angel Messages for Dogs. It's the Angel Messages series. And so any of your listeners that would like to one or all of the books, if I'm happy to send it to you as a gift for free. All you have to do is go to askjulieryan.com, click on the Ask Julie button, 
and put a note in there and just say, hey, I heard you on Lauren's show and I would love a copy of Angelic Attendance or your book. And if you want the children's books too, just say, yeah, I'd love a copy of the children's books as well. And we will send you a digital and an audio book version that you can download. And it's my gift to you for being so gracious and having me on your show today. Everything about me is at AskJulieRyan.com. All my social media and all the platforms that it is at AskJulieRyan. So AskJulieRyan.com and AskJulieRyan everywhere on the social media Perfect. planet. And I'll put a links to all that stuff in the show notes as well for our listener at home so that you don't have to go very far because as we know, we are business women, both of us. We want to do things efficiently with the same outcomes. So all you need to do is go to the show notes, click on the link and you'll already be there. Julie, thank you so much for being on the show. I've really enjoyed getting to know you. It's so inspiring and uplifting to see the work that you're doing. And thank you for all the stories that you've shared and the two minute rule and just you know, being in the world and helping to lift the vibration of the planet because yeah, for, I just felt emotional for a minute, but when, you know, when we have people like you shining your light so brightly in the world, it gives people permission and the ability to do that with themselves. And, um, I think that's what it's all about, isn't it? I agree. And thank you for allowing people like me to share what we're doing and, and what a service you're doing for all your listeners as well. So I'm, I'm honored to be among the ones that have had the opportunity to be on your show. Thank you. And please come back. <laughs> I'd be delighted to. Hi, thanks so much for listening to the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave us a review where you listen to your podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you. New episodes every Thursday.